Yo, 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 and welcome back to the Pace and Power Hour. Now, this week, it's only me, Esther the U here, as Abe, he's got some coursework to do, but he'll be back. And Taddy, he's away to London to watch England versus Scotland, which is happening on Friday. So, don't know if he's got tickets yet, but he's heading down to London for the atmosphere anyway, so that should be really, really good. And yeah, so this episode, we're just covering, well, I'm just covering everything that happened in Euros 20, in the Euro 2020 match week one. So let's not waste any time and let's get this thing started. Um, So the first game actually took place on Friday night, I believe it was. Yeah, I think it was Friday night. And that was between Italy, everyone's favourite underdogs, and Turkey, who was my dark horse. And I kind of got made to look a fool here, but damn, we'll move over that, we'll move over that. Now, the game actually ended 3-0 to Italy. It was a deserved win. Um, by them and Mancini's men played really really well I must say they created a lot of chances they had a lot of the ball they had 63% possession to Turkey's 37 so Turkey they just couldn't could not get the ball off them Italy's midfield three was just immaculate the link up between Jorginho, Barella and Locatelli was just amazing to watch and yeah like I said it it was a deserved win for Italy they had way more shots they had 24 shots to Turkey's three shots which just shows that they were creating a lot of chances getting into good positions and the movement was there and yeah it was a 4-3-3 lineup for Italy versus the 4-1-4-1 of Turkey and yeah the 4-3-3 came out on top with Italy playing out from the back sometimes turning from a back four to a back three when Spinazzola was bombing it down the wing down the left hand side because he was my man of the match actually he performed really well linking up with Insigne down that left hand side and Selic the poor Turkish right back had no chance the whole game he was always doubled up against and yeah he looked like he was breathing out his arse uh, the last couple minutes of the game but yeah uh, Florenzi tucked in when Spinazzola went high up turning the Italy's back four into a back three and allowing uh, for further movement of the midfielders up the pitch as well so like I said before Italy they just looked amazing as they won I think 27 games 27 they were on a 27 game unbeaten run before this game and I think that game made it 28 proving why they are the real deal and especially not making it to the 2018 World Cup this was a big big statement especially on the opening day Now, one thing to note about this Italy team is that their wing play was immense. Like I said before, Spinazzola and Insigne linked up really well down the left-hand side. And both of the... And two out of the three goals that Italy scored came down the right-hand side from Berardi and Barella linking up, actually. So, the first goal, um, Barella picks up the ball in the half-space. Really good turn and finds Berardi wide open on the wing. And he hesitates for a second before crossing it in. And the cross was hit really well that the centre-back Demiral actually hit it into his own net. So that made it 1-0 to Italy. And the second goal was kind of very similar in terms of build-up. Insigne finds a good ball into Barella. Barella turns again, finds Berardi. And Berardi puts in a high cross this time. Makes his way into Spinazzola who shoots. And a bit of back and forth between the centre-backs and the strikers. And Immobile eventually latches on and makes it 2-0 Italy. Now, this was something that stood out to me watching the game. I kept seeing the Italy uh, wide players get involved in the play. Insigne, Berardi, Spinazzola, these three especially, were always involved in the game, as well as the midfield, Barella, Jorginho, 
and Locatelli. And shout out Jorginho. This guy gets too much disrespect for my liking. He is a baller. Just because he does not do roulettes, just because he doesn't always hit 50 yard, I mean he does, but just because he's not like a tough tackling athletic midfielder doesn't mean he's not good. Like it's like the Busquets thing all again. Like you have to rate this guy on the ball. There's not many better than him. I'm not even going to lie to you. But yeah, just one thing, just respect Jorginho. And the third goal was uh, a bit of brilliance from Insigne. Uh, Turkey's goalkeeper hits his pass short, Italy pick it up, play the ball into Insigne and Insigne uh, just curves it round the keeper to make it 3-0 Italy and it was a deserved win at the end of the day and I'm really excited to see what Italy could do throughout the rest of the tournament. Now moving on to the second group game in Group A, it was Wales versus Switzerland and unfortunately I could not watch that game because I was at work but it ended 1-1 with a Brilimbolo goal. And I think Kiefer Moore scored a header late on to make it 1-1. So, yeah, I think Group A is going as kind of expected. And I st Italy will top the group, I think, with Turkey maybe coming in second. But Switzerland did look dangerous in the highlights that I did watch. Uh, moving on to Group B now, the first game of this group was Denmark versus Finland. And unfortunately, this match was kind of overshadowed by uh, Christian Eriksen actually suffering from cardiac arrest mid-game. And I do think it's kind of gross that UEFA actually made them continue the game because I think their options were to play the game at a later time, finish the game or forfeit a loss. And I just think that's ridiculous. Like someone's almost died on the pitch and you're giving these players options whether to play or not. I think they should have just cancelled the game and pushed it to a further date, let the players recover and just take the time that's needed. Because at the end of the day, they've just witnessed one of their close friends, one of their teammates just on the floor and we didn't know what was going to happen whether he was going to live whether he was going to die and yeah it was just a really scary sight to see so shame on you UEFA but the game did finish 1-0 to Finland with a late header from Joel Boyan Paolo I don't know if I pronounced that wrong I've probably butchered it but yeah it ended 1-0 to Finland I didn't watch that game as well because like I said I was on work this day and yeah and Hjordberg missed the penalty so further excuses why Arsenal are clear of Tottenham that is of Tottenham of Tottenham now moving on to the second game from group B this was between Belgium and Russia a very entertaining game I would say I mean I was kind of watching it in the pub uh in the pub TVs because I was working yes I know we know we know by now but yeah this was all about Romelu Lukaku as he bagged two and Munir bagged one himself as well and he actually came on for Timothy Castagna in the 27th minute so it was an early substitution but um, yeah Munir was good as well he got a goal and an assist coming on and Lukaku bagged two uh, he was my prediction for top scorer for this tournament I think he will be top scorer with that performance um, on Sunday I think it was but yeah, Belgium looked okay. I mean, there was there wasn't really uh, much happening from Russia's side from the attack, but they're still playing a three at the back, which I find very interesting with Torgan Hazard as a left wing back, and I just think that's kind of suspect. He's more of an attacking player. I've never really seen him track back much. But yeah, we'll see further into the tournament how far Belgium can actually go. A lot of people think that they can make it to the final. I personally don't. I think they have the quality in individuals, but as a team, the backline is not looking very good. They play a back three of Odoverald, Boyata and Vertonghen, which I think like two of those players are kind of past their best. I know Boyata is good, but he's not regarded in the likes of uh, other quality, quality centre-backs. But yeah, uh, two good finishes from Lukaku, as said before. 
And yeah, I hope Belgium will go far because I do like their players. I like Eden Hazard. I know he's not had the best of uh, times at Real Madrid. I really like Lukaku and KDB. He didn't even play. So uh, I think there's still a lot to see um, from Belgium's end. But yeah, I think Group B is going as expected as well. I mean, apart from Denmark, I thought Denmark were going to beat Finland. But obviously, Eriksen kind of overshadowed that, unfortunately. But he's fine now. He's doing well. And that is something that I'm very glad for. Because he is an excellent player, regardless of whether he played for Tottenham, I don't care. He he was immaculate when he came to the Premier League and he was just consistent throughout. And now he's a league winner with Inter as well, which was just amazing for him. So I really hope Denmark go far in the tournament as well, just because Eriksen is just a lovely bloke in it. So yeah, we're moving on to Group C now, the big one. We've got England versus Croatia. Now, I actually managed to watch this game and... England won 1-0 with a goal from your big boy Raheem Sterling. Now, game was kind of even. I wouldn't say it was the most entertaining of game, but England did get the job done. Going into this game, there was a lot of speculation from Gareth Southgate whether he'd start Grealish, whether he'd play a back five, and he did neither of those things. He actually played a back four with Trippier at left back, Mings and Stones at centre back, and Walker as right back. And um, as much as England fan moaned, England fans moaned on Twitter, it did work, they won 1-0, they kept a clean sheet and yeah, they got the job done. Phillips today, well not today, the, the day the game was played, he was immaculate, slipping in the ball for Sterling to put away the finish. I thought he was going to miss actually, but it's a decent finish in the end, but Harry Kane was not kind of in the game. I know for Spurs, he dropped so deep to create chances because they're not really, they don't really have like a number 10 that's like kind of like... A chance creation specialist they play La Celso and Indombele who are more like ball carriers more progressive players rather than a killer pass player if that makes sense so Kane's role in Tottenham was to drop deep create space play in Son play in uh, whoever was on the right hand side as well so uh, this game he kind of did the same thing but I don't think we saw the best of him in England I kind of want to see him just be that pure number nine that we know he can be and score some goals because he wasn't really involved in much then i know his movement was good for the sterling goal but other than that i didn't really see much of him now phil foden had a good opening 20 minutes but after that he kind of faded away but mings looked solid despite all the hate he gets on twitter and yeah other than that mount and sterling were phenomenal throughout the whole game but croatia they didn't look the best they had 50% possession, but their expected goals was only 0.37, so they weren't even expected to score a single goal that game. But both teams kind of had eight shots, and both teams had exactly eight shots and two on target. But it just turns out that England created the better goal scoring opportunities, as the scoreline reflects. And yeah, 1 0 standard win from Gareth Southgate, and Croatia weren't looking the best. They created zero big chances, so. Um, I think their next game is against Czech Republic. Hopefully they can bounce back. But their midfield is impressive on paper, but it wasn't the best. Uh, Brozovic, Kovacic and Modric all looking just kind of meh. But we know that's not the best that they can play. I think they'll come back really strong and I think they will make it out their group eventually. But yeah, we just need to see more and more from Croatia. Moving on to Group C now. Uh, the first game was Austria versus North Macedonia. I did not watch that game, so no expert analysis from me here. But Austria did win 3-1. And Netherlands versus Ukraine, I didn't watch that either. But that was super entertaining throughout the highlights that I did watch. And Netherlands ended up winning 
3-2. Now, going into the tournament, I did have a lot of questions about the Netherlands team. Frank de Boer did not strike me as someone who uh, is a very pragmatic manager. I mean, the team that he does have is good. They have a lot of good players, but it's just something about them that I just I can't put my finger on. And as we could see from the performance, they almost uh, bottled a win here. They were 2-0 up. And Ukraine managed to bring it back to 2-2, but Denzel Dumfries saved them with a late header uh, later on. And if you listen to our previous podcast uh, that me and Taddy did previewing the Euros, we did say Yarmolenko is prone to a banger. And what happened? Fume, top of the net. And as we know, this guy loves a long shot and he just banged one in. So yeah, Ake did come on and the Netherlands did concede two goals, which which is just laughable. And the boy doesn't play the whole season for City. He comes on and his team concedes two, but he did get the assist for the last goal. So he kind of did make up for it as well. And yeah, Wijnaldum, he's a bagsman for the Netherlands. I don't know why at Liverpool, I know the roles are different, but if he's scoring this much for his home nation and he scored a lot for Newcastle, don't see why Klopp's not trying to get him further up the pitch for Liverpool but at the end of the day he is leaving at he is leaving the season so and yeah I think he's going to he's he's signed for PSG actually so yeah hopefully um Mauricio Pochettino could get the best out of him and yeah because he is a good player we've seen uh the quality that he has shown at Newcastle at Liverpool and now it's time for him to really shine I know he's quite on the older end but I think uh he still has a lot to offer even in the Champions League as well as League on as well so yeah, that was uh, Group C. Um, now going back to Group D, Scotland took on the Czech Republic and they lost 2-0. And yeah, living in Scotland, I don't really care. I'm not really a Scotland fan, but all my mates, they were extremely gutted. They all got their gear on, they got their kilts with no underwear. They got their long knee socks. They got their, I don't even know what their shoes are called. And they were just singing away, drinking away. Just all that hype just to lose 2-0 in your opening game at Hampton Park. And yeah, the Scots, actually, I didn't think they looked that bad. I think the scoreline is kind of flattering to the Czech Republic. Uh, they scored two really good goals. One of them, a really good header from Patrick Schick, Willeny Lukalike. And another one, uh, you've probably seen it, but uh, Jack Hendry tries to take a shot. I don't know why he's taking that shot. I know he hit the crossbar like a few minutes before, but you're just so far out. There's so many players in front of you. It takes a wild shot. Uh, I don't know how far it was out. And it just gets deflected, blocked straight into Patrick Schick. David Marshall is off his line, way, way off his line. And he just lobs the keeper from just inside his own box. So yeah, really, really good goal. Good goals from Czech Republic and Scotland. I think in the first half, they played really well. And... Um, I know John McGinn had a kind of a half chance in the first half and he kind of flustered that away. And Robertson looked really, really good, bombing down the left-hand side as he does as well. But just something about Scotland, they just failed to get over the line each time. They've waited so long to get to a, a major tournament. And if they don't pull their socks up against Croatia, they could be looking at a fourth-place finish and not even making it out of their group. So, yeah, it's got to be tough for the Scots to make it out, but... I think one good result against Croatia and maybe a draw against England, four points is kind of the safety bracket. If you want to make it out uh, of the last, if you want to make it to a third place qualifier finish, four points is kind of like the getaway mark. So 
yeah, Scotland really need to buckle up their ideas for the next game. But I think they do play England next on Friday, which will be a massive game. Taddy's going down to London, as I mentioned earlier. And yeah, we'll bring you all the coverage from that. But unlucky Scots, but Czech Republic, big ups to you as well. Now, Group E, I didn't quite catch both of these games. I was working, I, ugh, I've said this about 50 million times. But yeah, Poland lost to Slovakia uh, 2-1 and... I've seen a lot of Lewandowski slander on the timeline. And boys, can we relax? It's Poland. He doesn't have the same players that he does at Bayern that he, that he did at Dortmund. So it's hard, especially for a striker. A striker's job is to score goals. Like, he needs chances. And he just needs to finish. Fair enough if he didn't, like, finish his chances. But I don't think he got anything clear-cut in the game. But, yeah. Why are we calling him Lewandowski, Lewandisney? Like, these, come on. Can we grow up, please? Like, this boy is, like... One of the best strikers in the world. He was, he was supposed to win the Ballon d'Or last year. They counted it, which was kind of fraudulent. And he's a contender. Well, not really a contender anymore this year. but Because uh, he did pick up that injury uh, at the beginning of January. Or, yeah, beginning of January, kind of February time. He picked up an injury for Bayern. But, yeah, he kind of missed those uh, two Champions League games against PSG where they got knocked out. But, yeah, can we stop the Lewandowski slander, please? He scored buckets of goals and... Yeah, he's just renowned as one of the best strikers in the world up there with the Harry Canes of the world as well right now. And he's, I think he's 33, 34. And to be playing that kind of football at that age is kind of amazing, like doing the things that he's doing regardless. He's, he just broke Gerd Müller's record, for goodness sake, like, can we relax? You need, football is 11 players on a pitch. You can't just rely on one person and be like, yeah, just get me out of this situation. Because at the end of the day, like a defender could... Uh, give away a stupid penalty or a defender or a goalkeeper can let in an absolute howler and all your hard work has just disappeared you know what I mean this is this is football we have to understand that it's not a one-man sport this is not tennis where you are the only one to blame like come on guys there's 11 players we do let's just stop the Lewandowski slander that's all I'm trying to say but yeah didn't watch the match don't know how it went but I assume Slovakia played well hence the win but yeah unlucky Poland and Group E also had Spain versus Sweden and I was excited, really excited to watch this match because I wanted to see Isaac, Alexander Isaac in play and apparently he played really, really well, which is good to see Arsenal, you better sign him up before I box every single one of you in the director's room. But yeah, this game uh, was on in the pub, which I was working at and yeah, all I saw was Morata, just be Morata in it. How was he played for so many top clubs i'm sorry like i know he's a professional footballer i know he will mess me up if i ever played him 1v1 or something and uh, but yeah it doesn't mean that he's not open to criticism like i believe that he's a better there's a better player in there than what he shows and all i see from him is just miss compilations which isn't which is a good sign i know he's played for real madrid he's played for chelsea played for juventus so obviously like these scouts are seeing something in him i know he had a short spell at chelsea where him and aspi Laqueta were linking up uh really nicely and he was actually putting away goals, but like towards the end, like he was—he's just cursed, man. I don't know what—I don't know what his problem is. Um, he's just not getting the goals that um, we expect of him. I don't know. Maybe it's just too high expectations on him, or whether he's just actually just not good enough. And I'm starting to think it is the latter. But yeah, he channeled his inner Timo Werner this season, and we're just missing chance after chance. But yeah, Spain—I don't know. I think Luis Enrique. Not including Ramos in the squad, 
I mean, I know he hasn't played a lot this season, well, towards 2021 uh, for Real Madrid because he was pick, picking up consistent injuries, but you still need to take him. Like, he has Sergio Ramos. He has all the accolades. He has all the attributes, and I'd rather have a fit Sergio Ramos in my squad than not in my squad. But yeah, a clean sheet for both teams, a draw one point, and hopefully they can move on and both get out their groups because I think they both will get out the group and a draw probably is a fair result um, from what I've seen on the timeline and from the highlights. So yeah, we're going to move on to Group F, the final group. And uh, Portugal took on Hungary uh, yesterday, which Portugal won 3-0, deserved win. Hungary tried and tried, they huffed and they puffed. They even scored an offside goal. It was a very nicely taken goal as well, but they just couldn't beat uh, Portugal's quality. And yeah, Portugal did dominate the game. They had 70% possession to Hungary's 30%. And yeah, expected goals does say that was a deserved win for Portugal as well, with Portugal having an expected goals of 2.58, whilst Hungary had uh, 0.18 expected goals. So 3-0, fair result. Uh, Diogo Jota. Um, just square the ball to Ronaldo next time, please. Like, the boy was wide open. I know, like, it was the first chance of the game. You wanted to smack it. I, I saw the vision in his eyes. Like, his eyes lit up and he was like, yo, I'm going to cement myself here. But Ronaldo was free, just squared it into him. But I thought that was going to come in to cost him later on in the set, in the first half where Ronaldo missed just before half time. Ball got fizzed in and he was about, I don't know, like six, seven yards out and he blazes it over the bars like, yo, yeah, I, uh, Hungary might actually win this game because you know when uh, your team just creates a lot and they don't put away and then another team goes on the counter and wins. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen to Portugal, but no, it didn't. Uh, never doubt Ronaldo. That's something that we've learned for like 15 years now. People were cooking him at halftime saying, oh, Penaldo, Ronaldo stinks this game. What does he do? Scores two. Like, you just don't doubt the guy, especially like at halftime where this guy's prone to clutching up. He is the biggest clutch player. I'm sorry, I'm a Messi fan, but Ronaldo's just, he's always there, right place, right time, knows what to do, gets the job done. And yeah, what can I say? Another record broken top scorer in the Euros of all time uh, with 11 goals, beating Michel Platini's record of nine. But yeah, this guy's just smashed record after record at 36, doing what he's doing is not normal. Like people usually retire at 32, 33, 30. This guy's 36, playing in Europe, and still playing international football like we just need to give a round of applause for Ronaldo he's an absolute phenomenon and people should look up to him man like he is a once in a generational once in a generational he's a he's a generational player and I don't think we'll ever see another Ronaldo but yeah um another thing from this game was um Renato Sanchez came on completely changed the game his dynamism his forward thinking uh running and he's just always on the front foot looking to attack players looking to chase them down and press them as well and Rafa Silva great cameo performance linking up with Ronaldo for the second goal with the one twos and that and yeah I really enjoyed that from them and uh Fernando Santos Portugal's manager actually went out uh this game with two DMs, I don't know what the idea was, I'm not a manager, he probably knows better than me, but uh, two DMs against a hungry side that you should be beating, like when he took off one DM and brought on Renato Sanchez, that's when the game changed, you know what I mean, so, uh, and yeah, 3-0, uh, yeah, it was two, the Portugal team couldn't really like break 
down hungry in the second half. In the first half, it was easier, but hungry just kept sitting deeper and deeper and deeper, frustrating them. But eventually, they did. Uh, Portugal did get out of jail, and yeah, they're top of the group right now. Uh, because France only beat Germany one nil last night, and yeah, this game was kind of interesting. It was it was quite exciting. I don't know why people were saying it was boring. France ended up uh, winning one nil. They unexpected goals actually. It was 0.29, so you can kind of say the French got lucky, but I don't think they got lucky because they had two goals ruled out for offside. And yeah, Germany actually had the better expected goals. They had uh, expected goals of 1.26, meaning that uh, someone, at least for Germany, should have scored. I think maybe the the big digits in that expected goals comes from that Nabry mischance early in the first half. Oh, no, in the second half, actually, I think it was. Yeah, the ball got floated in and he kind of hits in the floor and it goes over Larissa's net. But yeah, Germany dominate possession uh, while France kind of sat deeper and deeper throughout the game looking to counter. And both goals that were offside for France actually came from uh, France counter-attack. So that, I think that was kind of the tactic, but in the first half, they looked more alive, looked on the ball more. And yeah, France never kind of really pressed Germany, they just sat back, which allowed Kimmich and Gosens uh, who were playing in a back five, the wing the wing backs in a back five to absolutely go down the pitch and Kimmich did not look like a right wing back. He he looked like he was playing right wing the whole game. This boy was just like in France's half the entire game and he's just a phenomenal player. He's always in your face. He's always there picking up an early yellow, but he just shows the composure that he's not going to get sent off, is he? And he's just genuinely a Philip Lamb regen. They're actually like the exact same player in it, but one has won a World Cup and Kimmich hasn't, but there's there's still time, there's still time. But yeah, Germany kind of never really broke down France's lines. Pogba, Kante and Rabiot made it really difficult, uh, just uh, covering the covering their back four of Varane, Kimpembe, Pavard and Lucas Hernandez. And yeah, um, who even scored for France? It was an own goal uh, by Mats Hummels. Pogba, phenomenal ball into Lucas Hernandez. Who squares it and Mbappe was looking to tap in for uh, pretty much a tap in and Hummels had to make the choice is he going to touch it or is he going to leave it and he had to touch it because if he did it Mbappe was there for a uh, tap in and yeah Hummels tries to get his leg on it to play out but unfortunately it goes in the back of the net and lastly before I go Paul Pogba last night this guy is just delicious to watch like he's just so silky on the ball his pace his power and the technique is just unbelievable. I know pace and power is like kind of a joke. I like black African players, but this boy, he, he has it all. Don't know why like United, not getting the best out of him. Um, he is a good player for United, let's not get this twisted, but there's a clear difference in quality. Not in quality, but there's a clear difference in the way he plays for France and the way he plays for Manchester United. I think maybe because Bruno kind of has that free role at United, maybe Bruno is allowed to do the things that Pogba wants to do and Pogba's more reserved. Maybe that's why they move him out to the left because uh, Bruno's kind of freer and Pogba's all allowed to be freer on the left. But he just operates so well in the central areas, better in my opinion, as we saw in his time at Juventus and as we've seen for France as well. And yeah, like I said, the game ended 1-0. Karim Benzema almost got a goal offside, like I said. Mbappe's finish for his offside goal was absolutely ridiculous. This guy's going straight to the top. Future Ballon d'Or winner. I don't know why there's uh, comparisons with Erling Haaland. I just think he's so clear. And yeah, that was kind of match week one. 
uh, match weeks two started and I'm actually watching Russia versus Finland and Russia are 1-0 up. So yeah, the Euros is looking good so far. Hopefully next week, Taddy and Abraham are back. But yeah, I'll be signing off. This has been S to the U with the Euro Roundup match week one. Thank you.